Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Vernon Griffith sees coaching as an opportunity to provide athletes the leadership and the direction that he lacked as a youth athlete himself. While this is a departure from most coaches' come-up stories, it provides an interesting filter for someone who wanted to break the cycle of poor and impersonal coaching. Currently, Griffith operates Virginia High Performance and works with an array of civilians and veterans utilizing a scientific approach to training. He also provides his two cents on big controversial issues like Megan Fox versus the new Transformers girl, and is it turtles on a half shell or turtles in a half shell? Yep, the riveting results are just a few moments away. This is episode 306. Power Athlete Nation and Megan Fox. It's that time again for the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. We got a good ing out of there. You got your host, Luke, and other host. What? We just did a Top Gun high five and you leave me out. Uh, That's not a Top Gun high five. Yeah. That's an Eiffel Tower high five. Yeah. A couple of bros just going eye to eye, just doing the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Host and co-host, or co-host and co-host, host and host, Tex McQuilkin. Say hi, Tex. Hello. Featuring (laughs) Power Athlete CEO, John Wilborn. John, what's happening? Ah, well, thanks. How are you? Uh, Well is not the correct answer to what's happening. Well. (laughs) Well, that's happening, John. Well. (laughs) Be well. Uh, Be well. You know, and ladies and gentlemen, sorry to disappoint, the weather here is a beautiful 68 degrees, and John does not have his noisy coat on, so it's going to be a relatively quiet podcast today. Well, it's, it's getting warmer. Yes. Before we get going, people, spoiler alert, here's what you're getting into. First off, we have Vernon Griffith, Vernon Griffith on the podcast today out of VHP Performance out east. Uh, pretty switched on dude. Pretty creative on social media, right? Fun conversation. We're going to talk Megan Fox versus the other girl. For about Scrolls. 25 minutes in this podcast. So strap yourself <laughs> in. It's the perfect amount of time of talking. Uh, but before we get to Megan Fox and training, you see how many times have I said Megan Fox texting? <laughs> uh, five. Five. You only stuttered through it like at least three times. So uh, what, what's even more amazing is how nervous you get just saying Megan Fox. Six. <laughs> so I got to get to nine. You are blushing. Meg Fox. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen you smile this big ever in my great. life. She's my one. I told Ashley, like, hey, even if it works out, if there's ever a chance with Megan Fox, but it's too late. It's now too, she's or gone 2004? Got, she's gone and got all that work done. Yeah, she looks a little, uh, she, yeah. yeah, a little weird. Anyway. But now she's in your league. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. She's, she's got a couple kids, so technically she is in, her, in your league. That's what I'm talking about. But people, ladies, gentlemen... Have you been sitting at home following some sort of training? Maybe it's Johnny Wad. Maybe it's Field Strong. Maybe it's Lean and Able. Maybe it's Johnny Bot. Maybe you're stacking Johnny Bot onto your program. But you've been sitting there, and you've just been twiddling your thumbs saying, you know, this is an amazing, amazing product, but I need more. Well, I've got news for you. The three of us here have dreamed up an experience in celebration of Texas Egg Fest, all-you-can-eat Texas barbecue, about 20 minutes down the road from John's private ranch outside Austin, Texas. So a little history. There is obviously this really cool thing called the Big Green Egg. Yes, and very cool. It, yeah, it's a, it, it's a combination kind of smoker barbecue that is an institution. It has been a big institution for us. Uh, I have one. Luke has one. Tex does not yet have one, but maybe we'll find him one at, one, at some point. And... 
years ago when we first moved to Austin, I saw this flyer. I saw something for Egg Fest, and I got online and realized that there was this celebration of the Big Green Egg called Egg Fest where they bring in, and there's like 40 or 50 teams that put together these like amazing things on the egg, and they compete for like uh, some prize, which is the best one, and you vote. And it's a, I think it was like a forty or like forty dollar fee, and it's all you can eat, all you can drink. So I tell Luke, I'm like, hey, Luke, you want to go to this? And he's like, I don't know. No, I don't Actually, think so. Yeah, I don't think so. And I was uh, like, I need to fold Ashley's underpants. Yeah, uh, I got and, a busy day. And so bed, bath, and I was beyond. like, here's the deal. I'm gonna bring Kate and the kids. Why don't you just jump in the car? And he's like, oh, okay. And no, I so, think I gave one more pushback, and then on the third one, I was, I like, was like, yeah, just come on, you'll be fine. Ah, fuck it, fine. Drag so, me along. So he jumps in the car. We pull into this. Uh, like you know, like camp deal, like fairground, fairground yeah. kind of deal. We walk in, and it blew our minds. It was the most amazing experience. Yeah. So uh, it's turned into this annual deal. Every year we go to Egg Fest, we drag as many people as we can. This year we thought, or um, we dreamed up the idea of having the very first inaugural 2019. Johnny Wad Johnny Football Training Camp the weekend of Egg Fest at Power Athlete HQ. It is a weekend. Or I guess two days of training. So it's a Friday, Saturday, people. We're probably going to start banging weights Friday around noon. And it's all about training. It's about sharing just legendary stories from the crew and advice on how to be a bad motherfucker. And it's going to be a fucking blast. And we're going to capstone this. We're going to have four. It's about four workouts, four yeah, training so, sessions. And then we're going to have dinner. Uh, we're going to try to reach out to some people, sponsor our dinner that night. So, and we're going to have a big fire. Everybody's going to come mm-hmm. cook their own food. We're going to have an epic dinner and some drinks and uh, just really have a, just, just a great training environment, like a training camp. So a couple weeks ago, Tex and I were out at Cal Strength working with uh, some future NFL guys and they're out there getting ready, getting in their training camp. And, uh, we thought, you know what, if we could do this with our group and uh, push it out to the Power Athlete Nation and Johnny Waters around the globe to come to Austin and not only bang weights with us, have fun, eat some kick-ass food, and then join us for the most epic adventure after training all morning, hit the afternoon for Egg Fest, I think we would have one of the greatest events in the history of Power Athlete CrossFit Football SSA Johnny Waters. But I'm going to let you people know, space is severely limited. And sadly, as you hear this, it might even be sold out. Mm-hmm. But we are talking about it because we are being about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in getting yourself in a little bit of Johnny Watt training camp or maybe future training camps, head to events.powerathletehq.com and you'll see everything you need to see on that page. Now, let's go ahead. Let's jump in. We have Vernon Griffith and let's talk some kick ass training. Megan Fox. Transformers. Megan Fox. So what's going on, man? Thanks for jumping uh, on. Nothing much. Yeah. Uh, am I being recorded like right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're always being oh. recorded. We do it even, live. <laughs> even outside of this show, we have the whole lead up, the eye in the sky, like that one movie with Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Eagle, Eagle Eye. Eye. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Transformers. That was uh, an underrated movie. No, those were Which three. one? Eagle Eye or Transformers? Yeah. Eagle Eye wasn't bad. No, dude, I'll go. I'll rewatch that. Yeah, Tom Cruise's fictional wife. What's her name? The actress. Mission Impossible. Um, she fits into a crowd. Liv Tyler. No. Uh, Thal- Thalia. What? All right. Well, this is derailing. Thal- Text. Look at the up. the girl that was in uh, Snatch. No, not in Snatch. In uh, 
uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Well, I do know the girl in Transformers was uh, Megan Fox. No, the better looking girl. I know that that they replaced her. Uh, Michelle Monaghan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One second. One second. Vernon, one second. Are you saying the blonde girl they replaced Megan Fox with is an upgrade? Yes. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Pull it up, Tex. Pull it up. Hang on, Vernon. This this could end the show right now. (laughs) I have the power. What's your vote? Blonde girl or Megan Fox? Uh, it's Megan Fox, man. Dude, those that was like Dude, heyday. Have, have you? Uh, Hang on, up. not current day Megan Fox is like Na- Jack Nicholson now or Jack- <laughs> Nicholson in the Shining. Nineteen seventy four. Okay, pull up the, the the blonde girl was from Transformer: Age of Extinction. I'm going Megan Fox all day. Yes. Is, Let on. me see. I'm not seeing a picture here. Well, Tex is looking at her biography. <laughs> yeah, he's like, she likes long walks he's been, and as he's, been, he's like, I know what every tattoo she has I'm means. reading about her. He's making a judgment call based uh, off her I'm going to need a picture of this before I make a judgment call. Side by side? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm going to need a side by side. So, Vernon, as you, as you can see, Power Athlete Radio is dedicated to pure, unfiltered, <laughs> unstopped strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning ing, information ing. Uh, that involves uh, which girl is better looking at Transformers. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> just peer review research. That's what I'm talking about, man. Well, I mean, listen, here's the thing. Uh, who is that? That's your girl. What do you mean that's a girl? Nicola Peltz. That's the girl they replaced Megan Fox with? Yeah. No, that's not Nicola. That, that's not her. That's just meta. Um, what was... Uh, here's literally in. a picture of her with a Transformer. Type in who will be. You can't whoa, whoa, whoa. see, but this whoa. looks like Type in, type in, type in. In a movie. Type in that. who replaced Megan Fox in this, Transformers. That's not the... This isn't the No, one. that's the hacker girl. Text. That's the hacker girl, you uh, moron. That's the same actress. That's, no, it's not. We don't know. That's, 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 that's not. It is. That's, that is Marky Mark dude, running from a Transformer, text. and that is her. Tex, you, you're all messed up. It's this isn't the movie. Type in who replaced Megan Fox. This is Transformers: Age of Extinction. For That's 2014. not the one. Literally, I saw this in oh, a theater. The with that. you. That's it's, it's the, the one before that. that. It's the oh Texas. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to purposely derail this because he's such a Megan Fox psycho. So he's trying to derail <laughs> the derailing. <laughs> is that okay. derailing? There are five, five movies. Transformers. You had no. Transformers 1, uh-huh. Revenge of the Fallen, 2009, uh-huh. Dark of the Moon, 2011, the moon. And that's Age of that Extinction, I think 14. I think they're talking about Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. How does Wikipedia not have the right Transformers title? Like, is that even a reliable source these All days? All you have to do is Google who replaced Megan Fox in Transformers, and her name is Rosie Huntington Whit- Whiteley. Whitley. Whitley. John did all this from the... That's her. That's not her. Oh, no way. She's out. You mean this girl? <laughs> uh, this girl? Yeah. Hard and pass. She got replaced after one movie. They gave Megan, Megan Fox, Fox heyday. two. Megan Fox heyday all day. Oh, really? So, this girl. Woof. <laughs> uh, so uh, I kind of like the fact that she has a strong jaw, that she looks like she could play middle linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I'm kind of into that stuff, though. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what kills me for uh, Megan Fox is Brian Austin Green. 
Oh, jealous. That's a jealousy. I did, I, you know what? I was just never that's, a big 90210 fan. I know, I know. He was Brian Green, he was the, the DJ. Cool, he was the cool He was the cool guy. I just was, nah, it's not a fan. Anyways, let's barrel forward uh, after this. Okay, so, so, she's the, so she's the bad one. We're going with that you're not okay with her. Right. We are all, including Vernon, our team Megan Fox. John, you are on an island with this. With, with, with uh, what's her name? Nadia? Uh, Whit- Whitmore. Whitley? Hold on. Not a, not a, <laughs> not going to be in the next Transformers because she's. Rosie. I like her name. Mm-hmm. I'm in it. All right. I'm putting a stake in the ground. Vernon, welcome to Power Out the Radio, man. Um, dude, we know that you're a Megan Fox fan, so that automatically puts you on Team Tex and Luke, who are the co-hosts of this beautiful podcast. I'm just special guest. Featured. Fe- yeah, featured special guest. And our featured guest, John Wellborn, is Team Rosie. But, Vernon, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our listeners about what you got going out east and how you got into it, and then let's get into some of the some of the fun stuff that you're getting into. Uh, I own a place on, in Virginia Beach, Virginia High Performance. It's uh, me and uh, the other owner, Alex Oliver. Uh, we got a couple coaches, Danny Foley, Tim Kelly, and Hannah Day. Um, we work primarily with active duty and disabled veterans, uh, run a program specifically for them. Uh, and then we have obviously our, our collegiate and high school athletes that come in in the evenings and on college breaks and whatnot. But our primary focus is our, our military program for those individuals. And we know you speak a lot with the NCA coaches conference and the upcoming TSAC conference. So speak on your, your direction with that education and, and part of your mission talking to coaches. I think it's just, uh, it's my way of giving back. I mean, I'm not in the collegiate setting, so I, I'm not in the position that I can hand people out internships and t-shirts. No one wants a fucking BHP shirt, but uh, it's, uh, it's my way of giving back and sharing kind of, you know, my journey and where I got to where I have. And, uh, I think it's more of what I, especially at the NSCA conference is what I share when it comes to communicating and, and whatnot with athletes and building relationships. It's what I didn't have and what I found to be successful off that <clears throat> at the TSAC. I talk more about hip mobility and more of a, and hands-on training, but uh, the coaches conference, I always like to share my thoughts when it comes to communicating with athletes and building trust and relationships that go further than just working out. Nice, man. So we can start with that. So you said, give what you did not have. At what moment did you realize there was more to coaching? You know, a lot of coaches just reference back to their experience and apply that to their athletes. When did you see there was more? I think it, it's, I, I didn't know. I mean, you don't know until, until you experience, I guess you would say. I didn't grow up with a, a prominent father figure in my life or a coach that kind of stands out when I get asked the question of like, who's that coach that you remember, you know, growing up that helped you, you know, I constantly had constant new coaches and uh, never really that father figure that I could look up to or reference about certain situations. So I just know what it feels like to not have, you know, that person, that's someone to, to reach their hand out and grab and pull you up. And then when I got put in a position where we opened this facility and kind of youth athletes got pushed into it, whether it's female volleyball players and male football players, uh, it put me in a position to help those. And then that's kind of when I, uh, I, I found myself when I was getting put in certain, certain situations when with their life and what they were going through, it was more of me looking back on 
what I didn't have and offering advice on what I would have had if what I would have done if, if this or that happened or if in the current situations I'm in now. So I think it's more of grown off what I didn't have rather than uh, what, what I did. So uh, that, that's kind of where my experiences with that come. I don't have the best answer. I don't have this great lineage of strength and conditioning and leadership and mentorship. It's kind of just been like constantly experimenting. And I can honestly say I probably learned just as much from my athletes than I have from books or school or anything else. I've learned just as much from them because uh, everything directly relates to what they're going through. But, uh, what started you on the path? I mean, what got you into this? I mean, was it uh, you know personal need? Uh, you know, you got kicked in the sand when you were a kid, or it was a job? Or I mean, like, what really you know got you down this path? So when I was uh, I was in the military, and uh, I mean, I was in the Air Force. I mean, physical standards are obviously not the highest. Uh, if anyone's listening and wants to fight me about that, that's fine. <laughs> that's all right. But, uh, we did, but, we uh, dealt with Chair Force. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i got i got at one point i got pretty fucking fat man i was out of shape and uh i went on a deployment and i did everything the wrong way i mean i didn't know nothing about exercising i didn't know nothing about working out all i did was run on the treadmill and just beat the hell out of myself and ate bananas and egg whites and drank all whatever pre-workout was at the the whatever shop and uh, i got back and i lost maybe 30 40 pounds and i felt terrible but I, I mean I, I lost the weight but I just felt terrible and then um that point I was like there's got to be a better way to do this I started doing my own research started going to I was going to college switched my major going to looking towards more of the exercise science realm started getting more involved with high school sports in that area and then that's why I got out of the military finished up college and then finished up college uh, and then opened up VHP. nice man so you're working with the interesting, or maybe a, a more vi- varied cross section of population than most gym owners that are probably listening, right? In the sense that you're working with some veteran athletes and you know some, uh, I guess, adaptive athletes. Are you working out with as well? Yeah, we uh, currently right now we don't have any, but we've had anything from one limb to three limbs to, uh, I mean, you name it, constant uh, brain injuries. Uh, I mean, the worst of the worst. I mean, guys that have been blown up multiple times. Uh, we've, we've seen quite a bit. We, uh, we only kind of deal with the gray area. There's not many people that come to our door that are completely healthy. Right. So, I mean, the level of creativity you gotta, I guess you got, you have to tap into to help progress those individuals along a training journey. Um, relatively high but i mean at this at the same point like the the principles for that approach are the same as like having a an untrained or uncoordinated volleyball player walk through the door as well right so maybe you could talk a little bit about like the the challenges and and how you and also how you've carried over just some of those principles that you've worked within uh to accommodate those efforts uh, I mean, it, I think it when when uh, I, I I guess I get asked this quite a bit when it comes to some of the videos and stuff I've posted online, um, and the creativity or whatever people want to say, but yeah, it all goes back to understanding basic movement patterns and understanding 
of what's actually going on underneath the skin to the best of our abilities, of course, with what's current, the re- current research is. But you can't expound upon the black and white and get into the gray, and area, um, gray area until you know the black and white to the best of your abilities, of course. But um, everything starts with, I hate saying basics and back to the and basic movement patterns, but whatever. But, you know, just normal human movement. And then from there, you know, we can explore corners of the body uh, to help improve that movement. You know, the guys that come to our program, we're seeing them every day, you know, multiple times a day for a month. So we get to build a pretty robust movement pattern and toolbox for them to um, prolong their careers and help them down a path of wherever they're at. But it all comes from just a basic understanding. I, I, it's like the hot topic of, you know, what's the best book you've read and, you know, what's the best book you can recommend. And it's always some fancy books. And I, I really true believe that the first book that you should read and you should know is a netter. You should understand basic anatomy and physiology. And then from there you can expound upon leadership qualities and all that other good stuff. But if you don't have a good backstop of knowledge, you know, the, the best back or the best catcher has a short backstop. And if your backstop is always a solid foundation of knowledge, you're going to be a pretty successful catcher because the ball is not going to roll too far away from you. So that's what I always want to empower is always education first, because, uh, I mean, that's to me, that's just where I've been successful. So that's, I'm able to pull out creativity, but creativity is all based off of, black and white principles and then from there we can explore different ideas and some training programs or education approaches that try to teach coaches especially just starting out skip the anatomy and physiology because there are complex components to it yeah i want to look at that shit yeah no we got time for that shit i got no time (laughs) and it's all bullshit anyway what do you bullshit, mean it's bullshit anyway? Greg, Greg Glassman said that there is no contribution by a sports scientist. So, I mean, anatomy Meaningful doesn't... Meaningful contribution yeah. So, anatomy, fitness muscle world. insertions, uh, you know, energy systems, so eccentric, concentric... And the whole idea of <laughs> capacity? Yeah, it's all hearsay. It's all bullshit. Capacity, cashmacity. <laughs> this is, this is just our in, uh, ongoing fucking banter. I just did. How? Work capacity. Dude, first of all, nobody's ever proved that a VO2 max works. You're like, yeah, they did numerous times in the Tour de France. So you have a ever growing staff. I I know you said you don't get the opportunity to have internships and give away free shirts, but you still got to take on some greenhorn coaches. So do you have requirements that they should come ready or do you love that clean slate for a student and you can teach them? you know, just the basics versus making them unlearn something. So I guess that's a, when we're looking to bring on new coaches, that's a, that's kind of an interesting thing we fight with because what's more important, I guess, experience or um, a clean slate of non-experience. That's, that's a pretty crappy answer, I guess. But uh, I like, I I like kids. For one, you have to have education. You have to have the education, educational background. If you don't understand what muscles provide a movement, me trying to explain why that movement's important is kind of irrelevant. Like you, you skip step, you skip step one. Um, and not saying that you need to know what muscles move every body, body position, because then we can get into dynamic systems theory and what, what we think about that and whatever. But you should have a good understanding of what's going on 
within the body in a movement from what we can tell, obviously everybody's body is different. And unless, you know, we, it's kind of, I don't want to say guessing, but educational, educational guessing based off of how they move. But long story short, I kind of like the concept of a a green coach being um, not impressioned good or bad, because I feel like that's the worst part with coaches nowadays is it's all it's all one side or two. It's all binary. It's all black and white. It's all zeros and ones. And anything that's a two or maybe a you know a three is unacceptable. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big depends guy. And if you can explain to me why it's important and why it fits in a program and justify it, then you know, I, I'm pretty cool with just about anything as long as it's safe and the athlete's safe. So I kind of like the the concept of younger athletes uh, that haven't been impressed shit younger coaches that haven't been impressioned for good or for bad personally. I mean, I I, I, I don't, I don't know either way. So what are some of the mistakes or some of the, I don't know, uh, biases that you see come through your door that maybe have not worked out for a coach, right? So maybe it's a coach who is, is on that educated end of the spectrum versus or experienced maybe is the right place to put it. Right comes in, kicks in the door and thinks they know, but where are they off? Like where, what are, what are some of the examples of where coaches get lost in the weeds? Um, uh, I think a big thing is trying to fit athletes into programs instead of, you know, programs based on that athlete. So they just get, you know, we look at, I'll, I'll say uh, just because the back of every Jersey is a number doesn't mean there's not a name on it as well. And they just kind of, this is my program. This is what's going to happen. And and once again, I'm in a private setting and I deal with guys that are going through my program and individual athletes. So in a college setting, I know it's a whole lot different. There's a lot more athletes. You have to kind of broad sweep things, but um, to what the best the athlete can, the majority of the athletes can accomplish. But uh, it's, it's just being opinionated to a fault. Um, I, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but uh, when you see things float around social media or exercises or posts and people are just so, well, that's wrong. This squat's wrong. Squatting's wrong or this or that. I'm like, man, it, it, to just broad stroke statements like that. And then all the younger coaches and athletes that follow these coaches. Now they, now we're just fulfilling this, this perpetual cycle of people that just think there's only one way to do things. And that's, that's scary. In my opinion, I think there's, a safe way to do things and that's correct movements and we can talk about what's a correct movement based on the sport or whatever and then there's optimal then there's the needs of the athlete and uh i think it's just being opinionated to a fault uh, and not being open-minded um the guys that we deal with if you have an ego and your very opinion and what you say is right it's not going to work the guys aren't going to they're not going to buy in they're not going to they're not going to trust what you're saying um, and, uh, it's, it's just being open-minded, but still having that backbone of scientific principles. Uh, I, I guess that, I guess that would be my answer to that. Just being overly opinionated, set in your ways and not willing to adapt to what's going on. That's, that, that's the biggest thing that we know with the world that's going on right now is, is a failure to adapt is a precursor to extinction. So that's not just cars and dinosaurs it's coaches it's parents it's kids 
a failure to adapt it, you're going to fail. So if you think that your way is the only way and that way has been the same way for 20 years, maybe, but, you know, maybe there's a better way. And if you're too close-minded to take into, you know, consider that, then for one, that I, I don't have time for that sort of coach. Yeah, I think we run into that a lot where for, I don't know, I guess coaches – and even, I guess, at young coaches, even just fucking athletes, anyone, you know, it is the way it is, but they don't understand the context or the origin, right? So you may have a system or you may have a, a, a set of principles or methodology, but you don't understand the origin of or the platform on which it's built. You know, I'll call it context in this sense, right? Double uh, A gave us the old half turkey analogy at like the CrossFit Games three years ago. Are you familiar with this, Vernon? No. On Thanksgiving, having a half turkey? So uh, I guess, would this be a parable, John? If I were to go over to, you know, go over to my now wife's house for a very first time for Thanksgiving, and uh, her mom brings out the turkey, turkey's cut in half. And I say, hey, April, what's up with this? What's with the half turkey? She goes, oh, this is the way way my mom did it. And I turn over to Grandma, and I say, Grandma Holub, what's up with the... uh, What's up with the half turkey here? And she goes, oh, I, I don't know. That's how my mom did it. So then we go over to the nursing home and go to great grandma's house or great grandma's room and say, hey, great grandma, why did you cut the turkey in half and prepare it for Thanksgiving that way? And she goes, oh, because the whole turkey wouldn't fit in our little oven. Right? And no one fucking asked grandma why the fuck we cut the turkey in half. And now we got this big oven. Why not just cook the whole fucking turkey? Right. So it's just the risk at which of like, well, this is how my mentor did it without asking why and understanding the context. Then you can't necessarily scale or adapt like you're saying, Vernon. And it just we just see it all the fucking time, even inside and outside of our methodology. Right. We just Mm -hmm. people are either agnostic or like ignorant of the context we have created or are unaware that um, they have a bias and that's what's feeding their approach. I, I think that also people find comfort in that as well. People find comfort in knowing the edges of their box. They find comfort of knowing, Hey, this is the right way. This is, this is the way my coach did it. This is the way it's always been done. And people find comfort in that. They trust that. And the second you start failure. saying, it, it, it's it, almost like the con. Yeah, no, I mean, it stems from failure, not to cut you off, but the idea is if uh, you can provide me a framework that I can put faith in, then it limits failure. It's kind of like uh, with nutrition stuff, like how many calories should I eat to lose weight? What are my macros? And if I eat those macros and I eat those calories, I will lose weight. And you're like, theoretically, assuming that, you know, you count your calories and, you know, you exercise and you do all the other things. And it's really interesting with like with strength conditioning with that, uh, you know, like, hey, if I got to get strong, if I got to do fast, if I can just follow these, you know, the, the people that have led before me and uh, I just blindly faith. I mean, it takes a it takes a different individual to look at what other people are doing and think, like, does this make sense? Um, you know, is this the best way to do it? And then uh, or even more so, John, what could be going on? What does that individual know or what have they experienced well, for them to be taking this approach and then having the fucking cojones to walk up and maybe ask? Well, no, I mean, um, I preface every strength coach with uh, what their environment is. 
So uh, I watch this in the NFL all the time where, you know, you have a strength coach. It's like, oh, you know, this is what we do with our athletes. And we've had this great, you know, example. I'm going to write this book in here. And it's like, dude, you're working with NFL athletes. You're working at the top of the of the fucking food chain. And uh, they've, they've heard me say this on the podcast. Like, I'm pretty sure, and I used to say this, I'm pretty sure if you just came in and had us play the fucking snare drum for 30 minutes, dudes are going to get stronger. And so I don't really put a lot of value in your fucking training programs because you're at the top of the food chain. These guys have already evolved. You're not developing people. You're just trying not to get people hurt. So, um, and that's not true for all strength coaches, but for a lot of guys with it that are, you know, when you start getting into like the, the top of the bell curve on the, on the outskirts, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So whenever I think, um, you know, what a coach is doing, I think about what context he's using it in, how he's using it, and more importantly, for what population. And if the population's ultra specific, like, you know, Cal Dietz and I had a great conversation about, um, you know, his programming for uh, hockey skaters, or I'm sorry, not hockey skaters, uh, for hockey players and for, you know, these guys that are skating and what their development is and the maturation process and what he was looking to do with his programming to develop these guys. And they're at University of Minnesota, which is uh, the top of the food chain for these guys mm-hmm. to come to college and go to the NHL. And you start kind of going down and then understanding why he's done what he's done and how it fits within the, the concept. And all that happens is is uh, people just read Triphasic or go on his blog and they look at this information and they try to apply it without understanding context. And it's just, um, you know, people fail at the margins of their experience. So whenever I look at a program or, you know, what everybody's doing, I always ask, you know, uh, what kind of athletes are you working with? Um, you know, what are the results? What are the, you know, what are the stressors? What are the, and you kind of start to understand uh, the program and what people are doing. And the problem is people don't do that. They just... I follow Mike Boyle on Instagram. Mike Boyle does not like the bilateral hip hinging squat. He thinks you should only single leg squat because look at the athletes he works with. He works with fucking broken old hockey players that can't fucking squat. So why would he fucking waste time doing a barbell back squat with them? I mean, like when he, we had him on the podcast, yep. um, his rationale made sense. But the thing is, is nobody follows that rationale. So he makes inflammatory comments and fucking tries yeah. to burn people down on the internet. Yeah, and and his, I just fucking, I, I just chalk it up to an old man who's trying to fucking kick a hornet's nest. Yeah, because we had him on and we're like, well, what if we don't force that taller athlete? You know, he had a, has, you know, this, um, I guess his go-to is he has these two gals sitting on a bench. They're both were they volleyball players yeah. or basketball players? Yeah. And you see them on the bench and they're the same height, right? But then they stand up and they're like 18 inch difference, right? And he's like, why would I have these two girls squat? And we were like, well, you could overload. And he's like, but you can't get this girl below parallel. And we said, who says you have to squat below, below parallel? parallel? He's like, oh, that's a good point. I mean, if strength coaches did that, that'd be well, fine. But, but, <laughs> you know, like, but for, for me, I've always looked at like, I would rather you squat well to the range of motion at which you can squat well than do a bunch of crazy shit. And this actually came from working with, uh, with an adaptive athlete at a, at a seminar we taught. The guy came in and I, I met him. He was wearing pants and he shakes my hand. He goes, man, I came here because I've been having terrible hip pain and uh, I need help with my squat. And I was like, awesome. Come find me when we get into the barbell stuff. We're going to warm up. Come find me and I'm fucking going to coach the shit out of you today. And he's like, awesome. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, we warm up. We go start uh, barbell back squat and, um, you know, taking him through it. And I, then I kind of like walk around and I come back and I'm like, you ready? He's like, yeah. So I get on there and all of a sudden I'm like watching him squat. And I'm like, dude, you have no range of like no range of motion in your ankle. And he pulls up his pant leg and he has uh, um, he was a IED explosion that took him off and he was a below uh, above the knee amputee. So he had this like artificial knee and the ankle was locked. 
So uh, they, he had no dorsiflexion, had no, you know, no ability. So the way he was squatting was as he went down, he was rolling forward on his toe and then he was rotating his body to the left away from the leg to try to get below parallel. And I'm like, dude, uh, like what's the, you know, like in like going through it. And, uh, he's like, well, you know, my coach tells me I have to squat below parallel and it's hurting my hip. And I remember thinking like, why don't we just get you to squat to the point at which the rotation, uh, like right before the rotation starts. And then that's your range of motion. And so he does it. I'm like, that looks great. He's like, I don't have any hip pain. And he's like, well, what should I tell my coach? And I fucking gave him my business card and wrote my number on the back. And I'm like, uh, when your coach fucking hassles, you give him this card and tell him to call the number on the back and I'm going to motherfuck him. And if anybody ever fucking harasses you about it, here's my number. Have them fucking call me and I will fucking chew their ass out. And he's like, awesome. And uh, nobody's ever called me uh, because, dude, it's ridiculous. Why would you force this guy into this position? I mean, like to me, that's where I realized that um, the fucking insanity of this thing where everybody's trying to apply the same lens on every athlete. And the problem is you're going to have people that are, you know, have disabilities, have injuries, have preexisting conditions are at different levels of adaptation and training. And they all need a, uh, their own, you know, customized thing within a certain degree. And that's why I got away from a lot of this stuff and started developing what I'd like more, uh, um, like the blueprint of athleticism, which is what I really coach off of. And what we work in is like, there's a, a blueprint for athleticism and the training that allows you to get closer to what that blueprint is, is the most beneficial one. Instead of saying, well, every, every athlete has to back squat. Okay. But why, and how does that fit within the paradigm of what you're trying to develop? And at that point, the conversation just became a lot easier the problem comes down to is most people never get enough into that conversation. They just think Mike Boyle doesn't back squat. So I, I'm uh, now I hate the back squat, never really understanding the method for it. So now I get off my fucking soapbox. Sorry, Tex. I know you want to say something. Megan Fox, Megan Fox. No, no. <laughs> I'm all Rosie team. Rosie Vernie, you get a great opportunity to travel and meet a lot of coaches. And I guess one of the valuable lessons I recall a few years back when I got the opportunity to visit Dave Spitz out in his place, I just went to a speed focused clinic. So eight presenters all giving their philosophy, all this different approach, but they were all track. They were all track coaches. And then Brett Bartholomew was changing direction. And so I then next day go to meet Spitz and we talk combine training and he's like, slow down. And I'm trying to throw all these different questions at him. And he's like, well, who are you training? And I, athletes, fil- athleticism, and he's like, you need to have your own filter. So then, like, communicating it was athleticism is a filter to apply. Understand that we are training uh, basketball players or guys that are going to play a sport. And, like, that was this, this big aha moment um, of having filters, lenses, different perspective of, okay, you need to understand what they were trying to teach but then how are you going to apply it specifically within your individualization in the athletes? So we, um, what's interesting about that is when you take football players and you put them into a track setting, the, the drills, and I did this, the, the drills that you learn help develop your speed and flexibility in those factors. The problem is, is that if you try to run like a track athlete on the football field, you'll get fucking killed which is what happened when uh, Brian McKenzie tried to bring the pose into CrossFit and then all of a sudden tried to put it with like rugby players and tried to put it, you know, hey, you know, uh, football players and rugby players and these guys should do pose running. And all of a sudden, like just lifting your leg off of the ground and not fucking pushing your foot in and trying to drive against an individual 
is great if you're just trying to fucking lean through and like efficiently drive, run a marathon. But now all of a sudden you got to change direction, which is applied replied force. And then also you might have to fucking run through somebody. And I remember seeing this video of these dudes and it was like, Ben, I can't remember his name. He was an Aussie dude in, uh, on the East coast. I think we taught a seminar at his place at Milford. And, um, he had some videos of these dudes, pose, these rugby guys pose running. And one of the dudes as he went to pose run, got fucking hit from the side. He was like, 20 yards past in the fucking stance. And I was like, I wouldn't fucking pose run anywhere near that. The only way I'm going to pose run is if I'm fucking chasing a girl to the, you know, fucking uh, to the parking lot or something. Because it's going to be a long chase. Yeah, it'll be a long chase because I'm not real fast. <laughs> but like... Because she's running away? Yeah, yeah. Huh? I get it. Uh, I get okay. it. But uh, like, that's the thing where uh, people just try to apply one lens. Like I'm a track guy. Everybody should run like a track athlete. Yeah. But they don't understand the context for everything. And I think what he's going through is like, who are my athletes? What's the mm-hmm. context? And what am I trying to do? So... Where that leaves me is Vernon following you on Instagram and you select movements or a series of movements and then you do a few lines to educate and provide that context. But what have you seen educating through that space? What are the comments like that you're receiving? What's the backlash or what's the feedback that you get applying and trying to educate, but still some people may not be following the thread? Uh. <clears throat> Well, for one, I've learned that no one reads shit on Instagram. They just <laughs> they just scroll, and there's a video or a picture. Um, so if your video isn't flashy right away, no one's going to watch that shit. So there's that. Um, and two, I, I, I don't understand um, how, how some people, like, the educate. It's not even being educated. Like, when I'll type something up or I'll, under, I'll explain it, quick you know i'm not going to write a story but i'll try to explain something quick to help others that's my way of sharing is sharing stuff on social media hopefully in uh, starts thought process of people thinking um creating new thoughts and uh it, it it blows my mind that people for one don't read what i type but i get it and then two I've started to get a quite a few people that don't, that don't like it that, uh, like, Oh, that, you know, this fancy stuff or this and that. And I'm just like, bro, we squat and deadlift and bench and we do all that stuff too, but I don't need to post a video of me squatting or benching or my guys. This is what I like to contribute or these movements that we come up with in this hip series and stuff like that. And that's how we like to contribute. And, uh, I've gotten not a ton because uh, I'm not afraid to pipe up myself, I think. But uh, I've had way more people thank me and be like, hey, man, that's a great movement, or tag me and be like, hey, what was your thought process, rather than uh, come at me. I posted a picture a couple weeks ago, and it was like a flow chart of social media distribution. And uh, it ended up at the bottom, like, if you don't understand what you see, and it was like a yes or no, and it was like, message the coach find out where they're coming from maybe you'll learn something and the other one was are you an egotistical douchebag and then it said yes and it was like discredit them on the spot tell them they're dumb and this is wrong and sounds about right yeah but uh i i mean people people are gonna chime in and say good or bad or indifferent whatever if i help more people than whatever then then it's worth it to me to share that stuff. That's how I contribute once again, being from a small performance center of Virginia beach. But, uh, I, I, I kind of, I don't concern myself with it really. Um, 
I'll get stuff like there was like, there was one dude that's like a famous coach on Twitter and I would post videos and he would comment on it. Like why? And, and, and what I, I messaged one of my friends and I was like, do you know who this fucking idiot is? And he was like, yeah, don't respond. Just let it ride. And I kind of, I was like, fine. Didn't say anything. And then he did it again. And then he did it again. And I was just like, you know what? It, if you want to know where my thought process or the context of which I use this movement, feel free to hit me up. Like, if you message me, I'll call you, we'll talk. I have no problem sharing my thoughts, but I'm not getting into these social media banters of, my, you know, my my judo is better than yours or, you know, my athletes are better than yours. We do better stuff than you. I, 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 don't, I don't care about any of that. I don't want to be involved with any of that. Yeah, man, I can remember, I forget who the dude was. I don't know. I, I bit, I fucking bit on something. Um, like two, it was a year and a half or two years ago about some social dude like lambasting the bench press because it's non-functional and you should be doing pec deck and it's the only thing that'll that'll train your pecs. Well, there are two ways to train the pecs. You can press and you can also, but, right. no, but there's, there, there's two movement patterns for it. I'm with you, believe yeah. me. And then like, you know, I, I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna, Bill Kazmaier, the biggest pecs bite. I've ever seen and he benched a lot. I'm going to bite. I'm going to bite on it, right? And then talked a little bit about like overload. Uh, you, you can do both. The benefits of uh, overloading with bench press and taxing the CNS to increase in- speed, <laughs> increase capacity and capabilities. Like, why not just Max do both? Motor unit recruitment. You know, and um, he just came back hard. Like, bro, you see my pecs? <laughs> like, Holy shit, this is awesome! And then like tried to bite again, and then oddly enough, dude hit me on the side. He's like, no man, I totally agree with you, but like my followers want to see this type of banter. Well, yeah, I mean, they're just what? doing it for and the And I'm gram. like, motherfucker. He got you. And then deleted all that shit. He just deleted you. He deleted it? Yeah, and there's like, there's like a 100,000 follower dude who sh- actually fucking bit on my thing. You should have fucking screen capped it and then put him out and fucking just, outed him to the Man, gram. I'm just not that smart in that, like, troll game. I do one every 18 months. Like, man, I got to get on top of it. <sighs> Wink. <laughs> <laughs> why, it's because you have all you? your shell accounts that hey, you're fucking trolling people at? Bite your tongue. There are <laughs> no, sh- absolutely zero <laughs> shell accounts. <laughs> Callie Hinsman? <laughs> Why are you winking yeah. at me when yeah. you said that? <laughs> Callie Hinsman 4? That's honestly probably the best, longest joke I've played so far, Vernon. There's a girl we used to work with named Callie. She actually records podcasts. It's going to be a confession. So she's been off social media for like three years since she joined uh, law, enforcement. law enforcement. But I've had her social account going. <laughs> Constantly. Aww. Yeah. Just... Fucking following cat memes. Yep. Yep. And reposting. And I have like a whole bank of when we work together, like just random pictures of her. So like she, people think she's a real person. And I've just been keeping it going for three years. Now the question is, is that a real story or is that a made up story? And no one will know. It's made up. So you're telling me <laughs> that when Callie chimes in in our in our direct it's, messages, it's, it's really you. you? <laughs> so have you been doing, where did you find that preacher bench? Uh, at the gym. Should we give context to that joke? Uh, sure. John, how would you describe uh, it? So, so Callie works for us. She took a picture of a preacher bench and was like, oh, these things are, uh, this is awesome. I found that if I hooked a band up and did uh, banded preacher curls, you know, sans the bar, that it hit my, my uh, bicep better. But she didn't say preacher bench. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a preacher bench. You're supposed to use a barbell. And so we just kept rolling on with the joke. And she's like, I think I, I did that. This I morning. know, but I use a band and we're like, no, it's, it's a preacher bench. 
and like just stupid shit, dude. But well, I might uh, as well contribute to that group chat right now, live on Power Athlete Radio. As yeah, you my my pun was yeah, we banned that movement. Oh, oh, I just wanted to say you know the preacher thing. Like I don't ever like to be alone with a preacher. Yeah, they got on that pretty quick. <laughs> I try to avoid them. I get real nervous around what, preachers. His curl ain't right. Well, <laughs> I, uh, you know, you grew up Catholic too. Like now that I think about it, thank God I was never alone with any of those dudes. They always made me nervous. Even as a kid, I got a fucking like bad spidey sense around preachers, around the priests. Cur- the preacher curls. The priests. Curls. Yeah, no, those, I always liked those. It was the priests that made me nervous. Uh, hmm, I did not know that. Yeah. Barreling so, forward. So, <laughs> <are you? laughs> should we leave that awkward pause in? I like the Survey awkward says, pause. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. <laughs> so, Vernon. Okay, so talk about that a little bit, man. So, what maybe awkward going, pauses? No, I mean this guy yeah. definitely knows awkward pauses. Look <laughs> at him. Um, <laughs> but uh, so give. But how about? I mean. You have a high level of creativity on some of the hip flow stuff you do. So, okay, so we know you're doing all the big lifts and the shit that, um, you know, I guess we would call like the basics and the kind of the tried and true stuff. But uh, talk us through the your motive for including some of this stuff into your training or your athletes training. Uh, I I think, well, it, it serves twofold. A lot of the movements that I that I post, it's actually interesting because. Uh, many of the movements aren't mine. They're collaborative efforts between me and my athlete or client that I'm with currently. It's, Hey, where do you feel this? What do you feel? What's going on? And they're like, Oh, I feel it here. I'm like, okay, well now turn your foot here, position your knee here. Now do you feel more? Do you feel it less? What's the feeling like? And I'm like, Oh shit, that's a great movement. And that's kind of where a lot of, a lot of my movements come from is experimentation and collaboration with the athlete that I'm currently with. Um, it provides them variety with the people that I meet. I'm seeing them every day. I'm seeing them many sessions. So it gives us variety. Um, it, it, it keeps them in the loop. It keeps them in the game. It keeps what I like to say with the guys that I get to work with and girls is it keeps them thinking. Whereas if I do the same movement Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which there's nothing wrong with, well, of course, when it comes to the big movements, we do those as well, but especially like activation or warmups or whatever people want to bastardize and call it nowadays. But I don't just want it to be monotonous. I don't want it to be, you know, a wasted warmup. I want it to be something that contributes to the lift that slowly blends into the movement, main movement that we're doing. So if I can incorporate strength into that, and then also trying to get across to people that mobility, you know, it's a Latin for the ability to move, whatever, for whatever that's worth. But it's not just this pound down into a split, which is what you see the greatest mobility expert. who's also probably super hot on Instagram. That's why people follow her. But, uh, it's mobility is a lot. Is, this, more than is there a, lot uh, of a hot chick stretching on Instagram into the splits? <laughs> really? Where? Uh, I mean, where? It happens. <laughs> where? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> but I think that that's just become what like, oh, that's mobility or mobility is this. And what I try the point I try to get across with my videos and stuff is we strengthen mobility. We program mobility. Mobility is something we progress through strength training, it's not just this passive movement. It's actively controlling ranges of motion and exploring those ranges and being creative within those. So a lot of the videos you see are 
especially my hip mobility stuff is that's the thought process. Of course, we can do the same things over and over again, but uh, a lot of the videos are, and they're of me because obviously I can't post videos of my guys, but it's collaborative of collaborative events of them sharing what's working, me sharing, Hey, let's try this. Let's try that. And then it, sometimes it comes out great. It's beautiful. And then sometimes I get some real shitty videos where I post it and then I delete it five minutes later because it, I regret it. <laughs> no, man, you got to fuck it. It's like a tribal armband that you got when you were 17. You just got to let that fucking armband go. And you just take, well, take that's it why on the he's, chin. That's why he's got all these tattoos. They're just massive cover-ups for his tribal armband. Ah, uh, no, not me. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, if, hey, again, are, I mean, I got Ninja Turtle sleeves, man. This thing's fucking rad. Boom, there are, you go. Are there Ninja Turtles on there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't see. I no, I, it, it just looks like Master Splinter and Shredder on there. Oh, damn right. All of them, man. <laughs> Turtles in a half shell. But I, I mean, I feel like... I thought uh, it was Heroes on the half shell. Heroes in the half no, shell. No, Heroes on the half shell. On the half shell? That doesn't make any sense. Heroes on the half shell? I think it's Heroes, heroes, heroes in a in half in shell. In heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. Hurdles in yeah, a half shell. Not hurt. No, Heroes. Yeah. Heroes, heroes in heroes a half, in half shell. shell. Oh, I, th- I thought it was yeah. Heroes on the half shell. Turtle power. Yep. This is like the. This is like one of those moments where after G.I. Joe, where it was like, the more you know, and John Wellborn will <laughs> never make that mistake again. <laughs> You've been saying heroes on a half shell for 20 years. Yeah. And everyone's been laughing at you. Every day. Every day when we reference Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Dude, uh, we used to actually make the uh, Ninja Turtle reference when uh, Raphael would get up there and be like, I learned martial arts <laughs> from my master from my cage. And uh, uh, this guy that I trained with for uh, most of my NFL career was a guy named Rafael Ruiz. And we used to call him uh, Master Splinter. And the, the joke was like, I learned martial. You remember like the little rat in the cage, like imitating his master. And then like the ooze hits him. That's what we thought Raphael was. We we're like, Raph, when you learned the martial arts in your cage, and, uh, dude, he, he'd be like, uh, and then the, the funny part was he's like, I, he had never seen it. Oh no. So then when we fucking showed it to him, he was like, you fucking guy. He's like, this is what you've been laughing at for fucking years. I'm like, yeah, you're like the fucking rat that does martial arts. And uh, I hair. thought it was I thought it was hysterical. He didn't really think it was that funny, which made it more funny. Yep, the hairless rat. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he's a hairless rat. He, <laughs> uh, uh, you never came up with that McQuilkin? No, I was with Rafael Ghoul. Ah, yes, Rafael Ghoul. Oh, you yeah. thought well, he was trying to kill you at all times? Uh, yes, one hundred percent for my benefit to make me a better coach if I survived. Do you really believe that? I have to. He was trying to get I, I just you to think face he, your fears. I just think he didn't like you, and he was hoping you would die. No. I, impossible. Are rough? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I believe with, uh, in line with mobility, there is a confusion when it comes to athleticism, movement, training for sports, speed, combat. Active range of motion is important, right? And we often speak of force reduction versus mobility and then force production, almost putting our athletes in a position to control the potential forces around them before we do all the fun, fancy, explosive, quick stuff. And I was even at the coaches conference. I was asked this question, John, during a a lunge presentation. What about mobility? And drop your famous line, mobility without stability equals injury. 
So it sounds like Vernon, we're on the same track there in in your experience with your athletes that if they can't control this newfound range of motion, they are potentially fucked. Well, um, not to cut him off because he's going to answer, but I'm going to say we saw this happen over and over again where uh, Kelly Starrett hits the, you know, the, the road and convinces the world that everybody needs to be fucking supple and that they, everybody should be stretching. And we'd go train these or go to these seminars where people were spending fucking 30, 60, 90 minutes a day mobilizing. And the problem became is that uh, I only view mobility. If you're going to use um, any of these devices to try to increase range of motion, if you don't immediately go over and then use that range of motion in like a meaningful way, like I'm going to mobilize my hips and I'm going to do all this fancy shit. And then I'm going to go fucking squat heavy to actually use my new range of motion. So it's ingrained. It becomes fucking wasted. And if then, but then we ran into a bunch of people that were fucking highly mobile uh, that had no ability to stabilize their body or their joints or whatever it was in like when we went to go fucking do something. And I'm like, dude, this is a problem. You are hypermobile and unstable in these range of motion because you overmobilized and never used it while in a context of getting stronger. So a mobility fucking program without a, um, like a, a, an intelligent strength program that fucking matches it. It's just a recipe for fucking injury and fucking people up. And we would go to these seminars and work with these people and they'd be like, well, what do you think? I'm like, stop fucking stretching. Stop. Because if anything, your lack of mobility is preventing you from ending up at the fucking orthopedics, uh, a fucking clinic with a fucking massive surgery or a fucked up hip or replacements or this. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, dude, there, there's a reason that um, I've been fucking lifting heavy weights since I'm 14. And like, I mean, other than the joint injuries that I had playing football, like I didn't need a fucking hip replacement. I don't have any issues because the mobility was always done in the same context as the strength work. And it's like, stop fucking stretching. Like y'all like, like it just, uh, it, um, lengthen and strengthen it, dude. It's, it's like, uh, if you go to a chiropractor, right, it, dude, you, every person at this table, you included can walk into chiropractor and they're going to tell you all the things wrong with you and they can fix you. And then you go to the fucking PT and they're going to tell you all the things wrong and then they can fix you. And then you're going to go to the doctor and all the, you know, everybody has like the panacea, the all fix and they all like kind of go and you're like, at the end of the day, like. Uh, should you go see the Cairo? Yeah. If your fucking neck gets jammed up and I like this happens to me on occasion, I go get an adjustment and I'm fine. Like I, I just am, am nervous of these experts that their way is the only way. And is the panacea was the, the fix all shit, the guru bullshit. And, uh, as soon as I hear this, I get like all this fucking, like this, the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up and my spidey sense goes fucking crazy. And all I think is, Oh shit. So that's my soapbox. Sorry. Um, I can see you nodding your head because you're like, yes, this fucking makes sense. Sorry. For I mean, John. It, 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 that, and, that, and that's where a lot of the movements and stuff come from. And what we do with, with our athletes here is if you're not, it's like my son's ATV. He's rides it pretty well on half throttle. And we did something pretty stupid. It was a proud father moment, I guess. I took the throttle off, the throttle limiter, and he went he ate shit pretty bad, but it was hilarious. Uh, he got up and he was like, dad, I think I broke my pinky. And I was like, let me see it. And I, it was in a glove obviously. So I can't see it. And I was just like, dude, you're fine. He was like, okay, sweet. I'm getting back on. But to me, that's the kind of thought process is we do. There's all these neurological tricks and uh, these releases and these things that grant ranges of motion. 
And if you're not strong in that range of motion, I'd rather you not have it exactly like you said, because you, you're not familiar with it. That'd be like posting a vi- or having a kid back squat something that he's not able to back squat. Of course, shit's going to go wrong. So when it comes to mobility, a lot of the videos we post or I post and my coaches, it's strengthening range of motion, strengthening positions of athletic performance that you may have. But because if you can't be strong there, no matter what people think about strength training uh, in general, if you general generalize it or whatever, is it matters. If you're strong in p- certain positions, there's a greater chance for health and longevity. So when it comes to all like, you know, I, I kind of I, I catch myself sometimes with a lot of the videos I post. And I'm like, is this going to get taken and construed in a wrong way? Is someone going to take this movement and now they're going to be like, this is the way to do it. So there's some things I don't because I don't want that to happen. And there's tons of that already. Uh, you know, uh, I give the example of if you, you know, if you slip and fall, is your arm going to go to where you can control or go to where the range of motion goes? It's going to go to where your range of motion goes, not to where you're strong. So we try to make, you know, athletes as strong as we can in those greater ranges of motion, I guess. And I kind of got on that with a basketball team I had. All of them were tall, slender athletes, and none of them could, for the most, not none of them, but they had a big problem like squatting. And I was like, how the hell am I going to get these kids deeper in a squat? Because they're young. It's a basic movement. How are they going to do it? So we started doing tumbling. And then we tumbled into a front into a front roll. And then we tumbled into a front squat. And then we tumbled into a med ball front squat. And before you know it, we're squatting deep um, and controlled. And just because I had them move, do something athletic into that position that they felt normal and they felt comfortable with, it just clicked right away. But once again, it's being strong down there, not just plopping into a range of motion. Or I got great hip mobility because I can do the splits. No, you can't do splits. You can fall down and your legs split out. You can't actively pull your leg up over your head just standing there. There's a big difference. Uh, how old's your son? Five. He's Stop five. Turn six. What uh, what ATV is he riding? Oh, a one ten. Oh, he's got a one ten. Nice. What yeah. uh, what, what is that? A Yamaha one ten? I mean, I have no fucking clue. Oh, it's no. blue. <laughs> Uh, I do. My my little boy, uh, my little boy turned three yesterday, and I got him a Polaris fifty, and so he'd been riding oh, okay. the Power Wheel for like about six months, and uh, so I was able to score him this Polaris little fifty, and uh, we went out yesterday. Today was uh, first day, and he jumps on it, and he and like I was you know taking him through the controls, and he just hits the thumb throttle, and it fucking takes off, and I'm like whoa 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 whoa, and I grab the back of it as he fucking is flying away not realizing and I like went and grabbed a, a screwdriver and basically adjusted the shit out of the throttle so he could only give like a little bit like maybe like a, a, a fifth of the throttle and so sure enough he's like hits it and I'm like kind of like you know jogging next to him and near our driveway you can kind of go off and there's a big tree and there's actually like a little jump he fucking hit it and fucking jumped this thing and like my fucking heart stopped because there's like a fence and then a <laughs> cliff and uh, he fucking landed it. I'm like, oh, fuck. And he literally, like, fucking slammed it to the left, slid it, and kept going. And I was like, huh, look at that. He fucking, because my, my daughters who are seven would have just gone off, like, right, right off the side. Like, like, no sense. And I remember thinking, like, fuck, that was pretty athletic, dude. He jumped that thing. He stayed on and made a turn. I was like, I came back. And he was like, I'm like, fucking high five him. Let's, let's go. And we rode down to the pasture. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, I, um, uh, people were like, you got your three-year-old. So seeing like Texas pulled up the video, I'm like, Oh, good to see. I'm not the only crazy parent with their little kid and uh, he's tearing it up. So that's pretty good. I think I might show my little boy. I'm doing donuts. That's pretty good. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's a daredevil man, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, I mean, I've learned more about from my kids, you know, than you know, that's helped me become a coach and a person than, than I've probably taught them. So, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun being a dad. So you got a system figured out on how you're going to shop around for a coach for them? Are you going to try to coach them yourself? I mean, I imagine that the trajectory of your children is like somewhere in athletics or training or something along those lines. Uh, so my daughter is 12 and, uh, I always get hosed into working with her softball team and my wife guilted me into it one year last year. And, uh, they were like, well, are you, are you going to work with their team? And I was like, no, I really don't want to. I, I'd rather just show up and be that terrible dad that just heckles his kid in the stands. And she thinks it's funny, but everyone else thinks I'm the drunk, ignorant dad. But uh, it's a great dynamic. But um, she said, well, if you don't go, and she showed me a video of one of the local trainers. She's like, this is where they're fucking going. And I was like, thanks. So yeah. now I work with my daughter's team. But uh uh, honestly, I, I like being the fan. I, I, being the fan is way more fun than being the coach, in my opinion. So it, it, I try to avoid the coaching and the helping. You know, I'll go out and if they're hitting balls and they need me to shag some fly balls or something in the outfit, I have no problem doing that, helping out. But I, I like the being the fan more because uh, I had a girl, and I, and I, I know this because I've seen it. Uh, my first softball group that I worked with, with softball team, um, I didn't even know one of the assistant coaches was one of the girl's dad because she only referred to him as coach. And every, and it was just like coach, coach, coach. And she said something one time, she was like, Oh, go get, what's his name. And and they were like, go get, go get your dad. And I was like, that's your dad. And I was like, that would be the worst thing to get the best name in the world. Dad turned in for fucking coach. And uh, so I, I try to avoid the coaching, but eventually it will come. So uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> dude, I, uh, it's funny because over the years, people like refer to me as coach. I'm always like, no, 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 dude. Coaches were usually dudes in uh, tight uh, polyester shorts that were screaming at me while I was doing work in the heat. So like I got a real strange connotation with the word coach. I'm like, how about you just give me John and uh, we'll just be good athletes at helping everybody get better because, uh, man, uh, fucking dude, coaches were usually dudes yelling at me when I was busting my ass. So that was uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'd rather take dad than coach. I just imagine, though, you know, because girls are seven, they're getting into organized sports and stuff like that. And then Cash is going to be growing up. And, you know, Vernon, you got kids getting in there as individuals who know how to make a connection and drive change as a coach. If you were to sit on the fucking sideline and watch some donkey try to muscle like some shit onto some athletes without understanding the craft of coaching, like it, it has to be fucking like it's why my brother Eddie coaches, um, yeah. because, uh, so my, my brother Eddie was always a phenomenal athlete and probably like the person that like showed me how to play football and re- really was like, he's always super switched on. And I remember he's coached my nephew and like my, and my nieces, all their sports. And I'm like, yo, you like it? He's like, no, I fucking hate it. And he's like, 
well, I'm like, well, then why do you do it? He's like, uh, because there's way bigger dipshits out there right. that I don't want to fucking coach. Because if I go to the game and they're coaching, I'm going to fucking fight them. Yeah, it's got to be infuriating. And and he's like, dude, dude. like uh, like my brother's the dude, too, who's like, hey, remember, everybody have fun. And then the parents are like, you know, this is... And he's like... And uh, the best was uh, he calls me and he's like, hey, man, like and this is when we lived in Newport Beach. He's like, hey, can you come to Luke's game? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I guess he had told the the coach he's, or like one of the parents, he's like, hey, let the kids have fucking fun because there'll be a time in life when this shit isn't fun. And this is what they'll remember. Yep. And this guy fucking got on him. And he's like, dude, my brother played in the NFL for a long time. And he'll fucking come tell you that when all of a sudden, like, it stopped being fun and became a fucking job. Uh, like at what, and so when he came, he's like, we go talk to this fucking guy. <laughs> and I went over there and talked to him and he, and, uh, you know, I'm like looking at this dude and uh, he's like, you know, my kid's got a future. I'm like, bro, you're fucking five, seven, dude. I don't know what his future is, but it sure as hell ain't in professional sports. Accounting. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I was like, is there some fucking Viking lineage that you have where your fucking grandmother was six ten and fucking, you know, the grandfather swung a fucking, you know, 30 pound ax. He's like, no, I'm like, well, then you got no fucking chance, dude. Just sit the down and let your kid have fucking fun because one day it's not going to be fun. You fucking asshole. And then I think they you called athletes, the police. You, you sports don't exist for kids. They exist for adults. Sad. Yeah. And it's a bunch of people, man, that like, um, and anybody listening here, just take this to heart. Like it's for a lot of parents who felt like I never got to do what I wanted to. And I'm just going to somehow live vicariously through your kids. That's why when you see a lot of guys that had success are like, I just want them to go out and have fun. Like just go out there and have a good time. If it's not fun, we'll find something else. And I, I tell my kids that all the time, like they're, they, they do swimming, dance, gymnastics. Uh, they're doing horseback riding. And like, I'm like, is it fun? I only want you guys to go out. And if you guys have fun, and it's something you want to do and a responsibility. It's good. If not, we'll just keep trying different things because the more exposure I can give you, the better you're going to be. Mm-hmm. These fucking parents where it's like uh, my daughters are pretty good little soccer players and soccer ended and we were going to go do something else. And there and I got hit up by these parents like, oh, they have a traveling team. They play all year round. Uh, I was about to get uh, Yeah, they're, uh, your kids are pretty good. They can make something of this. And I was like. They're fucking six years old, dude. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like Vernon, you got any AAU guys that you work with? Yeah. Yeah. So AAU, the style, the travel teams, it's starting to work into lacrosse. So I played lacrosse in school, and I'm seeing now that the high school level, the sport is being compromised by all these selfish adults, not just parents, just selfish adults trying to sell this dream to parents just to freaking make a buck off of a kid rather than actually develop them. So do you I, think I, they know I, any better? Well, I've had kids that don't play high school sports. They sit out their high school season to play AAU mm-hmm. um, because that's where, you know, they, they fill up all these stories of exposure and college dollars. And my daughter's 12 and she plays, I guess you would say travel softball. The only reason she plays is because, rec ball was was shit and the games were super long so she wasn't having fun anymore so we we're like hey do you want to try this this will be you know and she she enjoys it but uh it, it i mean it is and the only sport that isn't ruined yet from aau is football but the way seven on seven's rolling it's only a matter of time before before that ruins it what's so, AAU? I mean, yeah what's it stand for oh i don't know what it's travel ball for. yeah Absolutely. so essentially they try to sell this as a recruiting tool. Like mm-hmm. scouts are going to go to these travel games and then you select a team. It doesn't even have to be your city. Does it still happen like that? Oh, yeah. I just remember uh, you were pretty good in high school and then scouts just showed up and gave you scholarships. Football. 
So that was football. So like if you're a basketball dude, I remember when I was in high school, I guess all the basketball, like the promising basketball guys were in the AAU yeah. shit. And so you travel around all these different things, but now with YouTube, it's a little bit different. I think YouTube can save any of these sports that are going down because you can showcase and get the exposure that's promised by AEU in these tournaments. And it's, it's a business. It's a scam because you get Man, these coaches, these adults that sell a lot. I always like the uh, Aaron Kafaru story. Uh, so I, I, I played know. football with J.D. Kafaro, who uh, played at Cal. I played at, uh, went to Cal as well. He was younger than me. So he played D-line, and his sister would come with the parents to the games. And at one of the games, like pre-barbecue kind of things, she ended up uh, like meeting some of the coaches or whatnot. And one of the coaches was like, oh, have you ever done crew? And she's like, no, I, I played uh, you know basketball, I played softball. And they were like, well, if you want to do crew, we can help you get into to Berkeley. So she's like, great, I'll row and I'll learn it. So she comes to Berkeley. They help her in. Um, shortly thereafter, she uh, wins, like, I think, two national championships and then went on and uh, won two gold medals in crew. And ended up getting a, I mean, obviously got a scholarship and went on and never done it before. And That's so, awesome. like, like, like uh, you know, when people talk about these things, I'm like, there's a situation where this girl had never done it, but it had a pretty solid athletic background leading up to it and then was able to go in and fucking be one of the most dominant people to do it. So I think sometimes, like... You know, like things find you if you're, you know, if you're, if you've prepared yourself correctly. And um, uh, like the one thing I, I mean, I, I saw this a few times in football that where a kid was able to trick somebody into a scholarship. And I can only think of one time where the kid what, tricked somebody. Wasn't that the tape, the wrong tape? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so uh, you're going to laugh at this. I remember I was a freshman in college. And uh, I went over to this dude's room and caught like his dorm and they were all like drinking and watching their high school highlight tapes, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, and one totally of the, normal and <laughs> totally normal. And in my so, opinion. so one of the guys was like, hey, man, hey, Jay, throw your tape in. You should fucking see this. And so he throws in his highlight tape and all of a sudden kicks on and we played against each other in high school. So I knew what team he played on. It was a blue team. All of a sudden he throws on a highlight tape and I'm looking at it and I'm like. That's not fucking losing her. That's Hawthorne, which is a red team. And I'm like, I'm like, what number are you? He's like, number four. And I'm like, that's fucking Curtis Conway. Curtis Conway played at SC and went and played for the Chicago Bears. I know because that's my fucking brother playing against him in the fucking highlight. And what had happened is uh, this dude had played at a school. His dad was one of the coaches at Hawthorne and had been fucking sending in tapes for him from another fucking school. And the... Uh, Fucking coaches, when they came for the recruiting deal, never went to a game, just watched tape, showed up and, and like met him with his dad and fucking offered him a scholarship just off a of tape and really never doing it and got there. And it took him about two fucking years to figure out that this dude had no business being on the fucking team. And I think they finally put Holy it together. Shit. It took him two years and they just said to him, they were like, here's the deal. We made a mistake. You can keep your scholarship like you can stay going to uh, go to school here, but we need your scholarship. We'll put you on a medical and you can just fucking get your degree. We'll pay for it. But just go the fuck away. We need your scholarship. And what did he do? Sounds good. He just took the fucking went. To, I, don't know, I don't even know if he graduated, but just fucking disappeared. And they took the scholarship. Fucking brilliant. And dude, he fucking is the only yeah. time I've ever seen a dude. So he, he hustled his yeah. way in. Now, mind you, this was in the fucking mid 90s before YouTube and social media and all this other stuff. I mean, that was when coaches were sending you letters and you had to fill them out and they'd send you in the mail typed and shit. Mm -hmm. And then they call, call you at your fucking house because they didn't have a cell phone. So this, there was no email, like, like the whole social media, uh, like internet thing has since developed, like that couldn't happen anymore. But 
it's the only time I've ever seen them fucking fool get fooled one time. So, uh, like, if if your kids are good athletes and they're fucking promising in the sport, like this, the coaches will fucking find them. Like they're like, and that's the problem. They're going to sell you on this dream, and it's like at the end of the day, like the best athletes are usually the best athletes. Now the best player that comes down to a different, you know, set of skills mm-hmm. and system know? and all sorts of, but yeah, fucking that dude, man, I remember just watching that tape and being like, are you serious? That's Curtis Conway. And he's like, no, that's me. I'm like, that's my brother right there. He just ran around my brother. It's pretty well, funny. I think that what we've all garnered from this story is that during the Johnny Watt training camp, I will be bringing my high school, Highlight tape, and we can watch that with everybody. Oh, I fucking cannot And then, John, we wait. can watch your NFL cut-ups, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> watch a real man peak at 18. <laughs> I can't wait for the Johnny Watt training camp. That's right. It's going to be epic. It's coming together, fellas. But, uh, Vernon, anything else, man? You got anything for, for Vernon? <clears throat> Text? No, just, John? Highlight. So I know you, uh, NSCA, if you're an NSCA member... They put the broadcast speeches online. Mm-hmm. So anyone that is an NSCA member, go ahead and look up Vernon. And then you're coming down to Texas in August. And we're going to Virginia and we're going Beach to Virginia in July. In July. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure about Texas. I may be in Hawaii. Oh, wow. Um, Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, def- I mean, definitely... Text said something about you guys coming to Virginia Beach, man. You guys got to stop by. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah cool. we've we've spent uh, an exorbitant amount of time in Virginia Beach, surprisingly. So, it's, yeah, it's not a bad place. Yeah, it's the best. Mm-hmm. It's the best until it's not the all best, right. and then it's the worst. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> no, we the best. we right. we have a, a lot of good friends that live there for work, and um, so yeah, we're always stoked to go visit our friends. And there's a fairly decent amount of coffee shops and like breakfast places. Um. So it's yeah, fine. crush it. It's great. We love it. Vernon, thanks again, man. Thank if you. If anyone wanted to peek out uh, what you're doing, where should they come? Where should they find find you on social or on the interweb or Facebook or what are you doing? Uh, I mean, my Twitter and Instagram are the same, Vernon Griffith and number four. But uh, if you send me a message or something, I'll respond to it. In you know, as long as it's not nothing stupid, obviously. But uh feel free to reach out. I'm all about connecting, helping others, but I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't have, uh, I mean, I'm not going to give my email, no one emails, but, uh, is there a way to really get your attention on the DMS? Like, can Luke send you some like naked pictures or anything weird? Dude, your cell phone number on the podcast is fine. I'm sure no one's going to pay attention. (laughs) No, I'm Uh, kidding, man. (laughs) I get enough text messages. No, I'm asking but uh, there you go, Peter. But uh, no, man, feel, feel free to hit me up on social media. You know, thank you guys for having me. It's been cool. Beautiful. Another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. movies, conditioning, and movies. Ding. All right, man. We'll be in touch, Ronan. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Yes, sir. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You heard him, people. You can slide into Vernon's DMs at Vernon Griffith 4, or if you find yourself in Virginia Beach, look him up at Virginia High Performance. Until next time, bye!